Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. Can we rejoice with our brother who was water baptized? Come on now. Stand up, bro. There he is. There he is. Love you, man. Let me tell you something. If you have not been water baptized after that video, sign up. Um, water baptism isn't just a thing. It's, just, it's not just tradition, but it is literally the outward expression of inward faith. And if you've never been water baptized, I encourage you to do so because it's you going public with the fact that you are a believer. In our culture today, we don't need any more undercover Christians. Oh, look, I'm already preaching, man. It's only 30 seconds. We don't need any more undercover Christians. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Confess your public faith in water baptism. So if you haven't done it yet, November the 12th, we're going to do it. And here's the thing. We are prepared for you. We've got shorts ain't nobody ever worn. (laughs) T-shirts, towels. And let's say you didn't sign up, but you show up and you know the Lord's tugging on your heart. A-okay. We do spontaneous as well. If the Lord's working on you, get back there and get water baptized. We will not leave here if there is somebody that needs to be water baptized. I promise you that. And so get water baptized. How's everybody doing today? I'm so glad that you're here. I am um, sad, but I'm excited because this is the last message in our The Kingdom series. Has this been a blessing to anybody? Good. Good. Um, you know, when you, when, you do these, when you do these sermon series, you're really praying that the Lord does something special for others because a, a preacher who is doing the will of God and teaching should, first of all, be preached to first by the scriptures and transformed inside and then deliver the message. And over the last few weeks, as I've prepared for these Sundays, I'm telling you, God has done a work in me and I pray he's been doing a work in you as well. So grab your Bibles. We're going to the book of Luke chapter 14, the book of Luke chapter 14, verse number 12. We got rained out yesterday, our fall carnival that we prepared for was rescheduled. So it's on for next week, November the 4th, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Come on now. We're going to let a little weather hinder us. It's going to be fun. So you want to be there. Bring everybody that you know. We're going to have a good time. Luke chapter 14, verse number 12. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many 
And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. One more passage of scripture, Acts chapter one. The book of Acts chapter one, verse number six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not, somebody say not. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Do not get caught up in people's prediction of when Jesus is coming back. That's one of the greatest distractions that we're dealing with right now. 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 88. <laughs> An actual book. <laughs> but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, I actually like saying Holy Ghost when I talk about this verse. It sounds a little more punchy. <laughs> And you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And somebody say amen. amen. Um, I want to finish this series by preaching on this topic. Share the kingdom. Share the kingdom. Now, I'm not going to preach long. So if you're waiting for me to get started, I've already started. I'm going to preach too. I just need a couple people that are going to preach with me. Is anybody going to help me preach? The less help I have, the longer I go. But I really feel like the Lord wants to speak to somebody today and, and he has a word for you. And so let's go to the Lord and ask him to be in this place. Heavenly Father, we thank you for inviting us right now into your house. I pray, Lord God, that you would move as only you can move, touch as only you can touch, do what only you can do. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mind to understand what your will is for us. Help us to walk out of here different than the way we walked in. We give your name all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, because you are worthy of it. And now, Lord, we're not gonna wait to the end of the service but we hook in right now with what the Spirit is doing. And we say, have your way. Do what you wanna do. 
we're quick to give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor because you are worthy of it. You are the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the Prince of peace. You're the fairest of 10,000. You're the lily of the valley. You're the bright and morning star. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You are he which was, which is, and which shall come, God. You sit and you rule from your throne right now and forever. And we give your name the praise because of that. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, something good is about to happen. Turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, something good is about to happen. And if you believe it, give God praise according to what you believe is about to take place in your life. Come on, your faith sets the expectation for God to move. Give him praise according to what you believe God's getting ready to do right now. Oh, my Lord. All right, it feels good in here. Share the kingdom. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I have been in school for what seems like forever. (laughs) Um, I graduated when I was 16, went right into community college, and then got my associates at 19, went right into the undergrad program, took a little time off because I was doing ministry, and then after getting married, I went back to school, got my bachelor's, and then went and got my master's, and then got into the doctoral program, and then um, as of last week, everything is complete. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank y'all, thank you. So I'm really gonna turn up on December 1st when I walk across that stage. And I wear my floppy hat, three stripes, fancy gown. I'm really, yeah, look at the Lord. Ain't he good? (laughs) Um, But it feels like I've been in school forever. Uh, Yeah, I really have. And the real MVP is really Janice. (laughs) She has been so kind, so supportive over the last five and a half years that I've been in school in our marriage. And, um, I, I, but I can't wait. I, I'm done and thank the Lord I'm through. And I, I promise you December 1st is gonna be the turn up for me. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. You know what I'm saying? But one of the things, two, two questions that I get often uh, when it comes to my schooling, my seminary uh, pursuits is, number one, people ask me, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> why, why are you going to school? What, what benefit are you gonna get out of it? And that's a valid question, and I, my re- response to them is always um, what Paul told Timothy. He said, a study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed of the gospel rightly dividing the word of truth. So that's been my verse as I've gone through schooling, and that's been my why. I want to be a, bit, a good steward of what God has entrusted me with. The second question that I get often is, what are you going to do after you're done with school? What are you going to do with the knowledge that you gain? What are you going to do with the time 
that you get back. And I, I just cannot wait to get that time back. I get to wake up on Saturday and do nothing. I, I get to go to bed at a decent hour and not go to bed at three, four o'clock in the morning. And, and I'm thinking about all this and just using the question, but the question is always like, what are you going to do after you graduate? And that's a valid question. Now, what's interesting is I haven't spent a ton of time pondering what I'm going to do after I graduate while I'm in the middle of doing the work. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I've got some plans, I've got some desires, I've got some things that I believe the Lord is calling me to, that I believe that this degree, this, this degree will help me facilitate, but at the end of the day, when I'm up at 2 a.m. writing a dissertation, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do December the 2nd after my graduation. I just don't think about it, but I have been pondering over the last several weeks as I've come to the conclusion of an era, I've been, I've been asking myself, Tim Rivers, what are you going to do? Dr. Tim Rivers. <laughs> I, sh- I should probably go with my full name, Dr. Timothy Rivers. <laughs> what are you going to do on the other side of this academic pursuit? And, and what's interesting is it's, it's unique to me because now I get to have the margin to dream and to think about what I'm going to do and how I'm going to utilize what I've learned in this season of learning. Now, what's interesting is this is not just isolated to my seminary degree, but every one of us in this place go through seasons of learning and experiencing and hearing and doing, and we all have to answer the question when we get to the end of the season, what's next? What's next? When, when you graduate high school, people wanna know, are you going to college? When you graduate from college, people wanna know, are you getting married? When you get married, people wanna know, on your wedding day. When are y'all having kids? Can I be married for, for, for 24 hours first? Then when you have your first child, you ain't even left the hospital yet. You're still in recovery mode. Y'all still getting balloons and teddy bears and somebody has, oh, when are y'all gonna have another one? Can we just get out of the hospital first? And then, and then when you have another child, then people wanna know when you're gonna stop having kids. <laughs> But, but we always are trying to find out what's on the other side of the season of learning, of experiencing, of hearing, of doing. And this is not just true of our natural physical life, but it's also true of our spiritual life. Because when you've gone through a season of learning in the body of Christ and you've experienced the kingdom and you you begin to understand the intricate details and the secrets of the kingdom, we all have to answer the question, what's next? And when you look throughout the Bible, you're gonna find many examples of people. We can look in retrospect and, and, and realize that God prepared people for a special assignment, but just imagine being the person and living it in real time. Imagine you are Joseph. You've got a vision from God of what is to come, but yet your experience now 
doesn't match up with what you thought your life would end up being. So now you're sold into slavery. You're accused by Potiphar's wife. You're left alone in prison. Then, then you get elevated and finally you see on the other side what God was doing all along. But you know good and well that while Joseph was going through that scene, he was wondering, what is next? Why am I going through all this? Why is God giving me all these insight? Why is God teaching me all these things? Why is God giving me all this knowledge? You have to ask yourself the question. When Samuel was being was sleeping and the Lord was speaking to him, he goes to Eli and says, yo, are you calling me? And, and the man of God's like, no, I'll go back to bed. And finally he comes back. And then Eli says, hey, this could be the Lord. And, and Samuel says, hey, here am I, Lord. And the Lord begins to speak to Samuel. In retrospect, we can see why the Lord was doing that in his life. But imagine being Samuel going through the season of learning and hearing from the Lord, but not knowing what's next. At some point, he realized that what I'm ingesting has to come out. So he has to ask the question, what's next? We could talk about David, how David, he, he, he's sitting there, he's minding his own business, he's watching the sheep for his father, he's, he's warring off lions and bears, and he's, he's in a tussle with his family members who have ostracized him, and, and he, you gotta ask the question when the oil is pouring from his face, what was David thinking about his next season? Because it's one thing to have the anointing of God and step right into glory. But what if the anointing of God comes on you and then you go right back to watching sheep? You know David was asking the question, what is next? And all of us in this place physically do this with our lives, but we also do it in a spiritual sense. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why did God save me? Why am I a believer? Is it just to save me from going to the bad place? Did God save me just to come here every Sunday and hear good worship and a good word? Some of us have asked the question of ourselves, with all that I've experienced, all that I've seen, all that I've heard, what is next for my life? And, and, and here's the thing, you're not alone because it's exactly where we find the disciples in Acts chapter one. Now you gotta, you gotta understand the context here. Jesus is about to ascend up into heaven. He gathers his disciples together, now there's only 11, and he begins to, to, to talk to them. But before he gives them their assignment, he's, they, they have to understand, what am I here for? They just followed Jesus for three years being intimately close to the kingdom. They watched Jesus, not just heard about Jesus, but they were right there when Jesus said, launch out into the deep for a catch, and they launched out, and they gathered in so many fish that their nets began to break. They were right there when Jesus began to teach the Beatitudes. They were right there in the boat when they were tossed about with the waves and the seas and they look out and they say, Jesus walking on water and then Peter getting out of the boat to walk on water to go to Jesus. They were right there in the boat when it was tossed about and Jesus said, peace be still and the wind and the sea obeyed him. They were right there handling the bread and the fish that Jesus was dividing and giving to them and they watched with their own two eyes. Two fish and five loaves of bread feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. We're not talking about people that just heard about it. They were right there in the middle of the work of the kingdom. 
Think about what it must have been like for Peter, James, and John to sit there and watch Jesus transfigured right before them. Imagine what it must be like to be a disciple and be right there and hear Jesus stop right in the middle of the crowd and say, who touched me? I just felt virtue flow from my body because some woman pushed her way through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment who had an issue of blood. They were right there watching Jesus make mud pies and put it on a man's eyes and he received his sight back. They were right there when he healed blind Bartimaeus. They still had dust on their head when two of them, four friends let a man down from a roof and God, Jesus healed them right there in the midst. They were right there when the man by the pool of Bethesda said, I've been here for 36 years and Jesus said, I'm going to heal you right now. They were right there. They weren't just around the kingdom. They were in the kingdom. They were right there as Jesus was falsely accused. And then he was beaten. And then he was buried. And then he rose again. They were right there when Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore. Could you imagine being a disciple and seeing all of this for the last three years and now wondering what is next? Because a lot of times we, we, we kind of are rough on the disciples, right? But can you imagine literally being around Jesus intimately close, hearing the words of the kingdom, seeing the works of the kingdom, experiencing the kingdom? What was it like for the disciples to sit there and watch Jesus cast out a legion of demons from a man who was a demoniac of Gadara? What was it like for them to watch as Lazarus was called out of a tomb and hobbled out? He was dead. He stuck. And now they watch the kingdom at work and they are watching. What in the world do I do with what I have just experienced? This is where we find them in Acts chapter 1. Because it wasn't just as simple as some, some disciples asking a ridiculous question. But these men have watched Jesus intimately close. And they're trying to figure out what in the world do I do with what I just experienced. And, and they look at Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus... We know this is the end of your ministry, and so there's only one logical thing that we can think of that would end this, is is will you at this time restore the physical kingdom back to Israel? They had been hearing for hundreds of years that there is a Messiah coming who's gonna restore the kingdom, and in their minds, the only logical thing to do to deal with what they have heard, what they have seen, what they've experienced, is that is the coming of the fulfillment of the prophecy in a physical sense, And so they wonder, Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And Jesus says, none of your business. (laughs) And too many of us get, once we get into the body of Christ and we don't know what to do with what we've experienced, we really move quickly to come Lord Jesus. Why is it that every time there's a war in the world, people say, come Lord Jesus quickly? Why? Because we don't know how to deal with the anxiety of having experienced the kingdom, having seen the kingdom, having heard the kingdom, and not knowing what to do with it. But I'm here to preach and tell you that there is a next step. Jesus did not let you experience the kingdom for you just to sit in church and high-five people that are also just experiencing the kingdom. 
But Jesus looks at them. He says, I'm not going to tell you when the kingdom is coming to its fulfillment. I'm not going to give you a five-step strategy. I'm not going to give you three points and a point. I'm not going to give you a roadmap to, to, do, to do certain things. But Jesus said, you will receive power, dunamis, dynamite, Power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And the disciples have got to ask the question, what does it mean to have power? And Jesus reminded them, listen, remember what I told you, that the works that you see me do, greater than these shall you do after you are endued with power from on high. Jesus tried to tell the disciples that when I laid hands on the sick and they shall recover, now you have the power through the Holy Spirit to lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Now you have the power to pray for your own self and for your children and for your children's children. Now you have the kind of power where you can walk into a room and discern spirits. Now you have the type of power where you can pray in the spirit. Now you have the type of power where sickness, disease has to flee at the mention of the name of Jesus. Now you have have the power to cast out devils and we still cast out devils some people don't believe that spirits are at work but I cannot tell you they at work and when you get the Holy Spirit inside of you you get to walk into an environment that may be locked up in spiritual warfare and you get to declare the word of the Lord and that the kingdom is here by the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you. Can anybody testify to the fact that you got dynamite power living inside of you? Jesus said, whatever you saw me do, you're going to do twice that many. You're going to do three times that many. I am not going to leave you settled here, but I'm going to give you power to do the works that I do. But Jesus didn't just leave him there. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm just giving you power to work miracles, signs, and wonders. But Jesus said, I'm giving you power, and you shall be witnesses. You know what that word witness means? A witness is somebody that can testify of what they have seen, heard, and experienced. In other words, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, y'all been rolling with me for three years. Y'all were the ones that handled the bread and the fish. You were the one that walked on water. You were the one that saw the blind and received their sight. You were the one that saw lame legs leap again. You were the one that saw uh, leopards cleansed. You were the one that saw me say, peace be still to the ocean, and it obeyed. You were the ones that, could, that, that were right there as I was working miracles, signs, and wonders. And because you were there, there is no way that you can deny the power, the glory of the kingdom of God. And I'm here to preach and tell somebody in here today that you are a living, breathing manifestation of the power of God. And God did not give you the power of the kingdom just for you to go through the motions of having church. But God's called you to be a witness to somebody that once you were a sinner, but now you're a saint. Once you were lost, but God found you. Once you were in darkness, but God brought you into the light. Once you were down, but God picked you up. Once you were broke, but God put you. Somebody ought to be testifying right now. You ought to take a trip down memory lane 
and testify to somebody in this place that your marriage was broke up until you got an encounter with the kingdom of God and God put your marriage back together. Is there anybody that's just going to testify a little bit? Don't leave me by myself. Can you testify to the fact that you didn't have much going on, but you encountered the kingdom and God said, I'm going to put something together out of what people thought wasn't going to be put together. Can anybody testify to the fact that you were sick and God healed your body? Can anybody testify to the fact that you were running away and God pulled you back? I need about five people to take five seconds and give God some praise for what he's done in your life. We've gotten a little too shy in church about thinking about what God's done in our life. Just because we cut public testimony service out doesn't mean that you don't have a testimony anymore. But somebody ought to say, yeah, I once was in darkness, but God brought the light. I once was down in shambles, but God put me back together. I was crumbling under darkness until the light of the glorious gospel put me back to, I'm up here yelling because I can't stand not telling you about what the kingdom's done in my life. I, I felt like the Lord said, you need to go in there and remind somebody. You, you've been in church almost too long. <laughs> you forgot where Jesus brought you from. But some of us, we, we, we give more praise and glory to the rangers who haven't even won the World Series yet. But walk in here and won't give praise to the one who actually won the World Series. When he got up and said, our power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. Power over sickness, power over disease, power over your failed marriage, power over your broken heart, power over your mental illness, power over your emotional well-being, power over everything that you've been going through, power over diabetes, power over cancer, power over your children, power over your parents, power over your home, power over your neighborhood, power over this church, power over these people. Somebody give God some thanks testify. Come on, take five seconds and testify. Look back over your life. When I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. Oh, I wish somebody would testify. Oh, I wish somebody would take a second and just testify the power of God. We in here with our nice clothes. I wish we could play back how you were turning up in the clubs. When you were snorting lines. When you couldn't put down the bottle. When you were smoking all kinds of stuff. When you were sleeping with everybody. But the kingdom broke into your life. If you turned up in the clubs, you ought to turn up more in here. Come on. You used to hold a solo cup with spirits in it, but now God fills you with the spirit. You ought to turn up at the power of God. Some of y'all still too cute with it. 
worship when you were in the kingdom of darkness. You ought to turn that up 10 times and worship God in the kingdom of light because you're on your way to heaven. There's nothing that can change that. You're loved even though you were unlovable. You were made worthy even though you weren't worthy. You were made righteous when you were living an unrighteous lifestyle. Somebody! You got power to be a witness. I'm about to run around this place. I'm trying to remind somebody about how phenomenal it is that the kingdom of God broke into your life. But he didn't save you because he had nothing better to do. You're not saved because Jesus needs more people in heaven. You're saved because he wants you to be a living, breathing manifestation, testimony, witness of the power of the kingdom at work in your life. You know what you do with a witness? When you're in a court proceeding and you're trying to make a point and, and, and you're going back and forth, the counselor will say, hey, I call a witness. And the witness will come in and they gotta take the stand. And right there in front of the jury and everybody else, they get asked questions about what they've seen, what they've heard, what they've experienced, and what they know. And they are required by law to share what they have seen, what they have heard, and what they've experienced. And if they don't, then they commit perjury. And when they commit perjury, they now become a criminal because they refuse to share what they know. I wonder how many people, how many Christians are committing perjury when that person at your job asks you, how did you make it through? And you recommend a book instead of telling them it was nothing but the power of Jesus. I wonder how many people are committing perjury when somebody says to you, I gotta figure out how to get out of here. And you just point them to a podcast instead of laying hands on their head and praying in the name of Jesus that the kingdom would invade their space. I feel like God is calling somebody to step out of the shadows, get up from under the cover, and be a bold proclamation of what happens when you get an encounter with the kingdom of God. Is there anybody in this place that will testify right now by a hand clap, by a praise of the goodness the kingdom of God in your life. Come on, take 30 seconds and give God praise.
happened when the disciples left that conversation with Jesus? Y'all want to know what happened? Jesus said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So the 11, now they got another one. They replaced Judas. The 12 disciples along with some other disciples gathered into an upper room. You can read about this in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says they were all in one place in one accord. They were praying. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And it appeared unto them cloven tongues like as the fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And they moved from that upper room out into the streets until people saw them reacting with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they looked at one another and said, men and brethren, these are drunk with new wine. And Peter got up and said, hey, I know they're acting like they're drunk on those kind of spirits, but this is not that. But this is that which was prophesied by Joel in chapter 2. In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh you are walking in the overflow of the power of the kingdom when you get full of the Holy Ghost people will know go ahead try to run back in that club and see what happens you're gonna be dancing by yourself they may not know exactly what's going on but they're gonna look at and be like nah that person's had an encounter they they different because once the power of the Holy Ghost gets upon you you become an agent of the kingdom of God. Whew. Over the last five weeks, we've talked about the kingdom. We've experienced the kingdom. We talked about understanding the kingdom. We talked about access to the kingdom. We talked about the benefits of the kingdom. We talked about prioritizing the kingdom. We talked about restoration of the kingdom. But I wouldn't be doing you a disservice if all I did was give you knowledge. I'd be doing you a disservice if all I did was give you a Bible study and we all walk off. But the reason why God has revealed the secrets of the kingdom to you is because he wants you to go out and share it with somebody. And we have overcomplicated sharing the gospel of the kingdom. We've attached fancy words like evangelism and discipleship. And most people don't even know what that means. Let me tell you how simple it is to share the gospel. A couple weeks ago, I went to Papa's Bro's Steakhouse. I ordered me a 16-ounce ribeye. Medium rare side of mashed potatoes, creamed spinach. That's right. When I cut into that steak and took my first bite, I had to take about 30 seconds to give God praise. Then I went on to eat the mashed potatoes and I had to stop another 30 seconds. I had that creamed spinach. I said, Lord, it's going to take 30, it's going to take 30 seconds more. But it was so good that I went home and told my wife, we got to go back to Papa Bro's Steakhouse because that steak was good. You know what I just did? 
testify about what I tasted, what I see, and what I experienced. And because it was good for me, I said, it's got to be good for her. So I shared my experience with her. That's called witnessing. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I promise you that when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you're going to have to run and tell somebody, listen, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was down, but now I'm Somebody give God praise and witness. Why am I telling you this? Why am I preaching this message? Why am I so hyped? Why am I yelling? (laughs) Because I'm a witness! I can't deny it. I'm sorry. I even tried. It didn't work. You know that every disciple that heard the words of Jesus died as a martyr. Why? Because they cannot deny. This is literally what the apostle said. We cannot deny what we have both seen and heard. You won't have to kill me. I'm not going to commit perjury. So God's calling us to share the kingdom. When you go to the restaurant today, let the server know about the kingdom. When you go to work tomorrow, let them know about the kingdom. When you go talk to your family and they're acting crazy, let them know about the kingdom. When you're walking in the park, let them know about the kingdom. When, you, when, you, when you're just picking your kids up from school, let them know about the kingdom. When you're talking to your kids at night and you're trying to get them to bed, let them know about the kingdom when you don't know what else to say tell them about what you experience God didn't give you a testimony for nothing it's time to share it if you were bound but God delivered you find somebody that needs deliverance. If God put your marriage back together, find somebody whose marriage is broken. If God has brought you from a mighty long way, find somebody who's way out there and be a witness. Now, if the Lord hadn't done anything for you, you off the hook. But if he has, you need to go into the highways and byways, compel them to come that my house, my kingdom may be full. Who has God brought in your life that you need a witness to? That you just need to share the story. This is what Jesus said. It begins in Jerusalem. 
you ain't even got to go out there, fam. Jesus said it starts right here in your sphere. And then it goes out. It's going to start in the streets and in the lanes. And then Jesus said, go out into the highways and byways. Your witness begins where you are and it moves out. Who has God brought in your life right now that just needs to hear about the kingdom? Well, I don't know what to tell them. Tell them to watch the kingdom series online. It's that easy. But be a witness and share the kingdom. Dear Jesus, we thank you that we were able to dig into your word over the last several weeks. Thank you for the revelations that you've given us about the kingdom. Now, Lord, help us to ingest it and then help us to bear fruit of it and offer that fruit to those who are hungry. We don't bear fruit for naught, but we bear fruit so that others who are hungry may eat of it. So right now, God, I pray that you begin to highlight people in our world, in our lives that need to hear the message of the kingdom. I pray that you would bring to remembrance the testimony that we have, how you've brought us from a mighty long way. You've given us so much to be thankful for, so much to share. And now I pray that you would give us the same type of boldness that you gave to the, the, uh, the apostles through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Those of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit, help us to tap into that power and to be witnesses of your glory and your kingdom. Be witnesses of what we've heard, what we've seen, and what we've experienced. We give you the name, the praise, the glory, and the honor because you are worthy of it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. One more time, put your hands together and give Jesus some praise in this place. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.